We studied this passage on Wednesday night and I got so much out of it, I thought, this one has just got to be preached. Let's read Exodus 3, 1-15. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire within a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I'll go over and see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. When the Lord saw that he'd gone over to look, God called him, called him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals for the place where you are standing is holy ground. And then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I've heard them crying out because of their slave drivers. And I am concerned about their suffering. So I've come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land into a good and spacious land. A land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Pezzerites, Hivites, and Jebusites. No parasites. <laughs> Verse nine. And the cry of the and the hang on, where are we? I've lost me. Verse nine. And the cry of the Israelites has reached me. <clears throat> And I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now go. I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And God said, I'll be with you. And this will be the sign that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. Moses said to God, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, what's his name? Then what shall I tell them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. And this is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, say to the Israelites, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever. My name you shall call me from generation to generation. Well, Moses, eh? Burning bush. The fear of failure grips us from time to time. 
we're given some kind of challenge, but when it comes to the crunch, we're overtaken by the grip of fear. And for some, it might be flying or getting into a lift. For others, it can be um, shyness or like stage fright. The fear of failure can grip us when we least expect it. And at other times, the fear is there as the countdown to the dental visit begins. Some believers can't wait to get stuck into the ministry that God has for them and others become stressed at the prospect of stepping out. Moses seemed a bit stressed, didn't he? Who am I that I should go and see Pharaoh and rescue the Israelites? Come on, God, give me a break. Have you ever found yourself in the right place at the right time? time it happens sometimes you know when you're going through the day or through your day and you find that through a series of events you're in a situation that is good but unplanned you might find that recipe book that you put somewhere safe you put things in a safe place sometimes it becomes very safe doesn't it Because it's not until you have a spring clean that you come across that recipe book. It just turns up out of the blue. Or maybe you're on holidays and you're in a different state. Maybe you're in Queensland or New South Wales or somewhere. And you're in a supermarket or down the street. And you see someone who just lives around the corner. Sometimes you just can't go anywhere, can you? I find it interesting that God chose a shepherd to lead his people out of Egypt. Here was Moses tending the flock. Come on, sheep. And God chose a shepherd. He didn't choose a teacher or a prophet or an apostle or anything like that. He chose a shepherd. And I find that interesting. I guess he needed someone with pastoral giftings to be a leader. I also find it interesting that Moses was just meandering along with his sheep one day and ended up in the vicinity of Mount Horeb, which is known as the Mountain of God. Oh, by the way, have you ever heard of the Mountain of God called Mount Sinai? And yet here it's Mount Horeb. Is the Bible wrong? We have two names for the same mountain. Surely God has made a mistake. No, folks. Horeb is the Egyptian word for the mountain and Sinai is the Hebrew word for the same mountain. Just a different language. That's all. Now, have you ever been down the street driving... And a parking spot becomes available right outside the shop you want to stop at. And the parking spot is also big enough that you don't even have to reverse park to get in. And then you go, thank you, Jesus. (laughs) Have we been there? We've all been there, haven't we? And it seems as though God has had his eye on Moses for a while to lead his people out of Egypt. So as Moses was tending to the sheep, just 
happened to be next to the mountain of God. What a coincidence. Yes, no. And while he was there tending the sheep, an angel of the Lord appeared to him from within a burning bush which was not being consumed by fire. I'd love to have one here and demonstrate with this vase of flowers to strike a match, but I'm unable to do that demonstration today. I feel my faith is not quite that strong. But there's a reason for everything. And folks, that was an attention getter for Moses. That was an attention getter. And let me tell you, folks, if God wants to get your attention, he can do anything. I remember many years ago, 30, oh, how old was I? 38, a scold in my hand, I've shared this testimony, scold in my hand with boiling water, and it went red and blisters. It was the middle of summer, we were out camping. It was extremely painful in the sun. And we prayed, and it was healed Instantly, we watched the redness go away. We watched, I say we, there were a group of us, we watched the blisters disappear. It was an absolute out-and-out miracle. Why did God do that? It would have healed up itself in two weeks anyway. What's the point? Folks, it was an attention-getter. It got my attention. I was already a deacon and an elder in the Baptist church and doing all the good stuff that that office requires me to do, but this really showed me God's perspective for my life in a very different way. All of a sudden, God was real to me. And this is what happened to Moses. God got his attention by sending an angel who stood in the middle of the burning bush and appeared to him, and was not being consumed by fire. Folks, this reminds me of three other blokes in the Bible, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, and they got thrown into a fire, didn't they? A hot one. They were also not consumed like the bush. Isn't that interesting? Isn't that very, very interesting? And yet, even on that day, three were thrown in, but four was seen walking around. Who do you think that was? Hallelujah, folks. Hallelujah. Moses became curious and he moved closer to see this bush on fire and not burning, as you do. Whoa, what's that? You take a few steps. Am I seeing things? This is not even being burnt. But yet, this fire. All the time God was watching Moses and then called him from within the burning bush. Moses answered, or sorry, Moses answered God and said, Here I am. God told him not to come any closer until you take off your sandals because where you're standing is holy ground. At this point, God formally identifies himself and says that he is the God of his father and also of Abraham, Jacob and Isaac. 
God outlined Moses' call in some greater detail. He goes on to tell Moses about the misery of his people and their suffering under the hands of the slave drivers. And this also shows us something about the heart of compassion and justice or injustice that God has for people. Place yourself in the situation of the Egyptians. They had been crying out to God for a long time and now God had heard their cry. God showed his justice to those people. But also, the Egyptian army, Pharaoh's army, God showed injustice. And we didn't read the bit today, but you all know about the story, don't you, of the Red Sea. How the Israelites walked across on dry land and studied Pharaoh's army for a while. Then... I've got a mate who lives in Alice Springs and he's a um, runs a pathology lab. And when he first uh, got his degree or in some, his degree in science, he went to run a pathology lab in the Arab Emirates. And he was there for two years. And one day, and he's interested in scuba diving. One day, he's telling me how he went scuba diving in the Red Sea. And the first thing I said, did you see any old chariots? <laughs> he said, no. <laughs> anyway, I really like the fact that God's call to Moses was a personal call, folks. A personal call. This was like one-on-one, you know, like God was right there or being represented by the angel. This was personal you know, so often we hear the call of God um, through the revelation of Scripture or through the voice of the prophet or, um, or even the inner witness of the Spirit. But very rarely these days do I hear of people actually dialoguing with God like Moses did. I think that's very special and surely made an impact in Moses' life to the degree that he would have some confidence in fulfilling the mission that God had asked him to do. Little did he know it was going to take 40 years, but that's another sermon for another day. So what a great attention getter for Moses who just happened, just happened to be in the right spot at the right time. Can you be there for God's calling? Can you respond to the call of God? The rescue plan. Did you notice in one of these verses it used the word rescue? God wants to rescue his people and I just can't see it here. Eight, is it? So I've come down to rescue them from the hands of the... I like that word, rescue. I really like that word, rescue. It really means something, doesn't it? You know, you've, 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 you've got someone who's in strife, you know, and they need to be rescued because they can't do anything about the situation themselves. 
You've seen some of those shows on telly, like Ambulance, Bondi Rescue, um, yeah, the fire truck show. They all go and rescue people, don't they? The, the police show that shows you where people have accidents, they go through it all. Lots of people need to be rescued. And God had a rescue plan for his people. And God still has a rescue plan for his people. I like that. The Israelites had become enslaved by the Egyptians and so God wants to take them out of Egypt, which means exodus or exit, and give them a new land that is spacious, a land of milk and honey. So they must have had cows and bees in that place, mustn't they? Never thought about that before, but yeah, cows and bees. <laughs> All might have been goats. Might have been cows, goats and bees. Anyway, this bit land was not actually vacant. It was the home of other people. It belonged to the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Pezzarites, the Hivites and the Jebusites. But we find out later in Deuteronomy 9 verse 4 that these people groups have actually rejected God and his ways. And so there's a double whammy here because not only is God rescuing his people from being enslaved, but God is saying, these people have disrespected me. These people who are living in the land of milk and honey have disrespected me for centuries. I'm going to throw them out and give that land to my chosen people. Again, God reminds Moses of his heart regarding the oppression of his people. <coughs> they have been enslaved for some 400, in fact, I think it was 430 years. You can read about it in Exodus chapter 12. God is now outlying a rescue plan for his enslaved people to Moses in greater detail. God is telling Moses that he is the one to visit Pharaoh and to bring his people out of Egypt. Moses was shocked by this and said to God, Who am I that I should be the one to visit Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? I also felt a bit like that going to Kenya to do workshops. Who am I? to go to Kenya and teach pastors how to preach in workshops. I only come from a small church and humble beginnings. But the Lord said to me, this is the plan and I'll be with you. I said, okie dokie, let's go. Bought a plane ticket. We can all relate to this kind of response. There is something that we are very good at and there is something that God is also very good at. The thing that we are mostly good at, folks, is selling ourselves short. That's what we're most... Oh, I'm not really good enough. I'm not equipped. I don't have the training. I don't have the finance. I don't have the backing. 
You know, we're good at selling ourselves short. We do it all the time. I can't do that. I can't do this. It's not for me. But on the other hand, God is saying, I created you and I know your potential. Trust me. We go, oh, where's a burning bush? Okay. I will be with you or the Holy Spirit will guide you or here's a gift to help you. God's rescue plan for the Israelites was good. Bring them from slavery to the promised land. He gave them a leader. He gave them signs and wonders and miracles to help along the way. The world was also in slavery. Sorry, folks. This world is also in slavery to who? The devil. The devil. And it's not really a secret, is it? We all know that. The world is in slavery to the devil. But God offers to bring people out of that slavery. Yes. He offers to bring people out of that slavery. He has provided a leader and signs and wonders and miracles to help along the way. Just like Moses. It's a great plan. It's an awesome plan. Oh, do you know who our leader is? Jesus. Amen. It's an awesome plan. It's a good rescue plan. Are you part of God's rescue plan? Or are you going to stay enslaved by the devil and reside with him for eternity? Not. Okay? Not. God gave Moses reassurance and said that he'd be with him. And it was God who sent Moses and gave him a sign which was about worshipping him on that mountain. And we know the account of the Ten Commandments. Moses came back to that very same spot and he climbed the mountain, didn't he? And he stayed there with God for a while and came down with a couple of the Ten Commandments written on a couple of slabs of stone. Moses qualified for the call and asked God for more details about who he should say has sent me. God said, tell the Israelites, I am who I am has sent you. Did not the Pharisees say to Jesus, who sent you? And he said the same thing, didn't he? He's sent by the Father. God goes on to give Moses a prophetic word. I think this is very interesting and fascinating. God said, also said to Moses, Say to the Israelites, The Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever. The name you shall call me from generation to generation. How cool would it be to get a prophetic word direct from God? That's special, folks. 
surely Moses would feel very enabled to complete the task and also perhaps have some sort of deep satisfaction that not only had God chosen him, but that God would be with him. It's raining, folks. God called Moses. We are, we are also called. God rescued the Israelites from slavery and took them to the promised land. God rescues sinners from slavery and takes them to the promised land. God reassured Moses. God reassures us. God has a prophetic word or had a prophetic word for Moses. God also has prophetic words for us. (coughs) Fear of failure can be strong because... Like I said before, we see our own inadequacies and we see ourselves mainly in human terms rather than from the perspective of the Creator. With God, nothing is impossible. And I quoted this a few weeks ago in a sermon and someone said to me after, well, God can't sin. Okay. With God, nothing is impossible. God gave Moses so much reassurance in lots of areas. We know the story had a good ending. Red Sea, disobedience, oh, sorry, Red Sea, Ten Commandments, and after 40 years in the wilderness because of disobedience, they did reach the promised land. We must draw good conclusions from this story and apply the idea that God is empowering us just like he empowered Moses. Folks, God has not changed. God has not changed. God does not change. The scriptures have not changed. Okay, the way we apply the scripture changes The way we apply the scripture changes through the generations because because of change, world change. Let me explain. The Bible was written in Hebrew and Greek. Hebrew, yeah? Yeah. Then it was written in Latin. Then it was written in Old English. Now it's written in Modern English. Why don't we use a Hebrew Bible if it's the original and the best? Because we don't know Hebrew. It's not part of our language, is it? Why don't we use... Well, some people use King James, don't they? I don't because I don't fully understand the language so well. I still, if I read the old King James, no disrespect to it, then I have to also interpret as I go along. So I like NIV, it's my language, I understand it. And so things change as we go along. 
But God has not changed. We must draw conclusions from this story and apply the idea that God is empowering us just like he empowered Moses. Don't let the fear of failure drive you. Trust God for success in everything that you are called to do. Everything that you're called to do. If God's calling is not on something you're doing, if God's calling is not on it, then God's calling is not on it. But if God has called you to do something, then go ahead and do it. God called Helen to make a chicken casserole for some people. So what did she do? She made a chicken casserole and gave it to the people. That was God's call upon her life last week. It's not always about great big things or going and standing in the middle of the roundabout preaching the word. If that's the call, do it. If you're called to do something else, do that. Whatever it is, God calls you. You know his voice? You should know his voice. Every Christian should know God's voice and distinguish it from all of the other things that are going around in here. But God's voice should be distinct. And if you talk to God often, you know his voice. I reckon if a big sheet was put across here, I reckon I could almost recognise every person's voice if they spoke and I couldn't see them. And you, you could probably do the same. So we must recognise God's voice so that when he calls and he goes, Hey, Pat! Dearest Heavenly Father, we give you honour, praise and glory today. We pray and ask, Lord, that we will respond to the call just like Moses did. And we thank you, Lord, for the reassurance that we have that you will be with us. You'll be our guide. you help us along the way. you give us the equipping, the signs and the wonders, the giftings. I pray, Lord, that you'll help us to be brave, that when we do hear your call, that we will respond that we will give you glory, we'll give you satisfaction out of our obedience to what you've asked us to do. Equip us, fill us with the Spirit, Lord, and help us along the way, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to a Wattle City Church podcast. If you download the Anchor podcast app and type Wattle City Church into the search engine, you can listen to more and great podcasts from Wattle City Church. Thanks.